At JCPenney, fashion counts for everybody and everybody. The weather is getting warmer and it's time to swap my winter layers for fun, vibrant, and cool clothing with so many fun things happening this spring like Mother's Day and the Wind Down Tour. It's hard to find great looking clothes that fit you just right. That's why I love JCPenney. JCPenney has so many stylish and comfortable options for so many different body types. I've been blown away by their selection and everything hugs my body in all the right spots. Refresh your wardrobe this spring with style that gets you. Something to wear that fits your favorite moments of the season at prices that feel just as good. Discover brands that get you and put style and comfort first, like Worthington and Liz Claiborne for her, each in women's petite and plus sizes. Here, spring comes in all shapes, sizes, and colors. JCPenney, make everybody count. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Greetings and welcome to a special edition of What Happened to That Guy, a podcast about former Baltimore Ravens and life after football. I'm your host, John Eisenberg. Lionel Dalton was a key contributor and one of the many larger-than-life characters on the Ravens' first Super Bowl team. He was a big-bellied defensive lineman who plugged holes, smothered running backs, and lit up the locker room with his bright smile and a roaring laugh. His teammates called him Jelly Roll, a native of Detroit who entered the NFL as an undrafted free agent out of eastern Michigan. He played four seasons with the Ravens and also spent time with the Broncos, Redskins, Chiefs, and Texans before calling it quits after nine years in the NFL, a solid career. Now he's 46 and living in Atlanta, and he's written several books since he retired, including one called Who the Hell We Are. He also has traveled the world, started a nonprofit, done all sorts of things. But in the past year, his life has taken a turn he never expected. What happened to this guy? I'm going to let him explain. So let's go back before we get to that. Uh, let's go back a little bit, uh, if you don't mind, back in time. And, uh, you know, you, you, I mean, you had some great times here with the Ravens and, uh, you know, being part of that uh, Super Bowl winning team, uh, you know, how much impact, Uh, you know, looking back on it now, all these years later, you know, how much impact did that experience have on you? The fact that, you know, you were on a team, it wasn't just good, just went all the way and won the Super Bowl with, with so many great characters and friends of yours, I'm sure. I noticed uh, that no matter the obstacles you face in life, you can, if you stick together, you can find a way to win. I've never won anything outside of, you know, individual accomplishments like track and all state, but um, the win as a team, the unity we had, being the camaraderie we built, we built, um, that was priceless. And I think that's what I miss most as I retire, going into my golden years. I ain't in the golden years yet, but as I get older, I miss the camaraderie. And we had a lot of camaraderie on that team. A lot of different characters, from Goose to me, to Rob Burnett, to Mac McQuarrie, to Stover, to we had a lot of we had a lot of characters on that team and uh, somehow we put it all together 
that defensive line room was something, wasn't it? Yeah, we had a great we had a great first team as well as second team. All our second team was left and went and started in other other teams after we left. So we were loaded in defensive line defense. So you left the Ravens. You played five more years of football, right, in the NFL. Yes. So nine year career, great run in the NFL. Yes. And uh, I, I ask all the guys, you know, were, were you ready for football to end? Did you think about football ending and had you planned for it at all? To be honest with you, <laughs> I played football for opportunity and to play on Sunday. I hated practice. So I enjoyed the opportunity to be able to provide a good life for my kids that I didn't have. And I really enjoyed I enjoy Saturdays and Sundays more than I enjoy during the week. Just going out, hanging out with the guys, going to eat Saturday night and having fun in the games. So um, for me, I retired on my own terms. I had also, Warren Sapp had just got cut from Oakland. They tried to bring me to Oakland and I was just, my wife's birthday, I missed her birthday of the year and I just, you know what, I'm done. I don't feel like playing anymore. And we, I just retired. So I retired on my own accustomed. Uh, on my own, at my own will. So yeah, I was I was ready. Outside of the checks, I don't miss practice. You know, beating up my body. I miss Sundays sometimes. I still get goosebumps when I watch the games. But yeah, I was ready. Everybody that I talked to has said the transition out of football is tough. Uh, and I'm wondering what your experience was. <sighs> Tough as in, I guess it's different. People go through different things. Tough from a standpoint of missing the camaraderie with other teammates and keeping myself busy. So I guess it's different from each player. And I think a lot of us don't know who we are outside of being the player. But I knew who I was outside of being the player. I knew what I wanted, you know. I know I wanted to help other people. Were you sure uh, that, you know, that you, you weren't entirely sure what you wanted to do when you were, once you were done with football? I knew I wanted to help others. So I always wanted to do philanthropy work. I've always done that. I like it. It just makes me feel good. And uh, so I knew I wanted to do that, but I didn't. Honestly, I missed the camaraderie in the checks. We <laughs> won't be honest with you. But playing the game, no, I didn't miss it because I was ready. So once you were done with football, what, what did uh... – uh, were you, you're living now in Atlanta, is that right? Yeah, I just moved to Atlanta. I've been here three years, but I was in South Florida for the previous 19 years. 19 years. So you were mostly in South Florida then since you finished with yeah, football. Yes. So was us all the childhood in Detroit, uh, you, you were ready to have a little better weather? Is that uh, part of the deal there? In South Florida in December, and I usually go home to Detroit, and I'm, like, and I'm on the beach like I have on sandals in December. Why, what else? Why would anybody want to live anywhere else? <laughs> and so I was, I went there for a bye week. I went there for the bye week. And then I came back into the season over, bought a house in 2002. And I was there up until 2017. So what were you doing there? What did, what did you get into? I mean, you, philanthropy work? So um, originally I volunteered with the Boys and Girls Club. So I wanted to learn the process of working with children. Then I started my nonprofit in 2008, and I started uh, East, East and West Boca Football League that still consists today in South Florida. It was a league for 
um, with no weight class. Because what I noticed in South Florida, football is so competitive that a lot of kids don't get to play. And so what I did is I created a league for all those kids who didn't get to play. So we had eight teams. We had 24 players and everybody started, everybody played. And so I saw a need and, and I addressed it. And so I helped a lot of kids that were overweight. We didn't have a weight class. So it helped a lot of kids lose weight and gave a lot of kids the um, opportunity to play football who usually wouldn't because of how competitive Little League is in South Florida, Little League football. A lot of players down there. Yes, a lot of players and a lot of players' kids, and they usually they usually get all the playing time, but then all the little like all like I'm in Boca, so a lot of a lot of the little like kids would couldn't play because they were smaller and they didn't really get you know they didn't really get opportunities. So I created a league for them. That's great. So uh, I mean, it's obviously you've got a heart out for other people. Uh, you know, you you've got other people in mind. Let me so you moved to Atlanta and. Uh, it's, it seemed like, I mean, I thought one thing that was really interesting and then uh, was that you did a ton of traveling when you were done with football. That's another thing I love to do. I wanted to see the world. After going to the Hula Bowl, it was my first experience out of the continent of the United States, I knew I wanted to travel. And um, my wife, was had, who had a lucrative real estate career, she was tired of working. And we both said, let's just we sold our house to just travel and maybe we would thought about living in another country abroad. So we traveled for about nine months. Uh, went through, I started in South Africa, went to Tanzania, Botswana, Kenya, Ethiopia, then Egypt. And then we went over to um, UAE, went to Dubai, Abu Dhabi. And then we went over to Southeast Asia. So we went to Malaysia. We love Bali. We almost moved to Bali. I almost bought a, uh, I almost bought a loft in Bali. And but we ended up getting pregnant in Bali. And my wife said she's not having her baby yet outside of the United <laughs> States. So we moved back to, we went back to Florida. We didn't like it. She didn't like it there. She didn't want to raise a kid there. Because Florida, South Florida is a little wild. And so we moved to Atlanta. Mm -hmm. And um, we like the people here. They're really nice. It's a little slower. And so we decided to make Atlanta home. So you, I mean, since football's over, you've done so much. I mean, you know, you've, you've, you've traveled the world, you've done started a nonprofit and, uh, you know, done so much. And it seemed like uh, you had no inkling, any health issues that what was going to happen a year ago on New Year's Eve. It just seemed like that, that, uh, that you didn't, there was no, no idea that that was coming. I actually didn't feel anything. I didn't feel sick. I didn't feel like anything was bothering me, but um, I had uh, a lot of fluid inflammation in my body, you know, a lot of that's from football. And I was overweight. I've gained probably like 25 pounds as I retired. And the combination of that, and I used to take Motrin every day before practice, and Motrin really beats up kidneys. A lot of people don't know that. So be careful when you take Motrin or any uh, ibuprofen. And just the combination of that and had been having high blood pressure untreated for like a year, it wore in my kidneys. And um, uh, January 2020, 2022, because I had a year, I had a New Year's party, but that morning around four o'clock, I woke up short of breath. I went to CVS to try to get something, nothing worked. So I just went to the fire station around the corner. They checked me in the P, my hospital, Atlanta, Georgia. And the doctor told me my kidneys were functioning at 25%. I need to go on dialysis ASAP. 
and I've been on dialysis ever since. So just a bolt out of the blue. Yes. No sign. No, my blood pressure was a little high, but I had just finished when I got the news. They they called me after they ran my like they called me after they ran my results and told me go to the hospital now. I was just finished doing a workout at the gym, so I was I was feeling great. I just didn't like it's one of those diseases like you don't really you don't feel it. You don't. It's no unless you really go to the doctor and you know what's you know you take urine tests for daily. It's hard to really know until it's too bad. Like it's one of those diseases that sneaks up on you and, and you don't really know you have it until it's too late. You have to go to Dallas. So, so you went from, you know, basically having a normal lifestyle to dialysis. How, how, how many days a week? Um, I do it now. Well, I go to the center now. I used to do that on my own at the house where I can do it every day for two hours. But um, now I go to the center it's three days a week for four hours and four and a half hours a day. And um, I like the center better because the nurse is there and she can make sure my levels are correct because in getting the kidney donated, there is a lot of stipulations and you have a report card. So you have any issues with the doctors, they, they document everything. So if I got mad at the doctor, they write that down. If I said something to the nurse and they look over it in the kidney doctor, looked over, look over your records and that's how they pick who gets the next kidney according to their report card. So you got to risk really... So I decided to go to the center because the nurses can keep me in line and keep my levels normal and I won't have any problems. And so I could be, it can speed up the process of getting an organ donation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So four and a half hours a day or three times a week, you're there. Yes. Uh, that's an awful lot of time to sit and think, isn't it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. But I tend, I, I took it. My wife told me I should take that time and figure out something I can do to be productive. So I wrote, I wrote my first book about our travels. It's called Who the Hell Are We? Just traveling, trying to figure out who I am. Through, uh, traveling through Africa, Southeast Asia. And then I wrote a kid's book about my daughter's travels. And so I took a million pictures of her. It's an ABC book about my daughter's travels. So I take the time and try to do things productive for those four hours to keep me focused on what I want to do in life instead of looking around me and seeing everybody who's suffering and feeding into that energy because it can really drain you. Mm -hmm. So I try to keep um, a positive outlook, even though I'm going through trying, trying times. Well, congratulations on doing all that writing. I, I can speak from experience. Writing a book is not easy. No, it's not <laughs> at all. I thought it was going to be, it was, it was this work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of work. <laughs> Uh, that that's great, uh, and certainly some great experiences you have to draw on. But so uh, you're now basically uh, in a holding pattern. Is that right? I mean, you you're you're hopeful of getting a kidney donation, and and uh, you're on the list. And yeah. that's where you are. It's just a wait and see game. Is that correct? Well, it's two, it's, it's two options. So if you can get lucky to find a living donor, like somebody who wants to donate a kidney, the process are shorter. Because I'm an old pot, I'm an old, I'm an old blood type. It's a lot. Everybody can receive my kidney, but I can't receive everybody's kidney. So my wait time is five to eight years. The other, um, other blood types is anywhere from like um, four to five years. I've been getting a lot of support from the Ravens and different people in Baltimore 
and I had two Baltimore Ravens fans who decided they wanted to donate. And so right now they're going through the process and I'm having, I'm crossing my fingers that everything goes smooth and uh, hopefully I can get a kidney by the end of the year. Oh man. So Ravens fans heard about your situation. Yes. It was a good morning America show. And then I did an ESPN um, piece and uh, I had one call from good morning America show and then one just called from the ESPN right up. So it seemed like the, you know, the more I talk about it and get the word out, more people like really, like really trying to help. And uh, I really appreciate, um, you know, the uh, support of the city. That's some serious stuff, man. Yeah, you know, you got fans of the Ravens trying to donate a kidney. That That is, that's pretty intense. That's amazing, man. Like I have a lot of great memories in Baltimore. Like my, I had my son there, I got married there. Uh, my first team there. So a lot of my, uh, a lot of my most memorable moments, won a Super Bowl there, a lot of my most memorable moments. And hopefully I get a kidney there. It would be great. You know, just add on to like, all the great things that the city has um, contributed to my life. So when you're on, uh, uh, you know, when you're on dialysis, are you able, what kind of life are you able to have? Can you work out? Can you, is it a, your diet matter? You know, what are you able to do? What's, uh, you know, how normal is your life? And this is what mindset comes in. Because when I originally did it, they told me I couldn't work out and do anything. So I didn't do anything. I was losing muscle and I was just getting, you know, getting my blood clean and coming home from work. Then I met coming home from dialysis. It feels like work sometimes. And then an NFL ref reached out to me. Russell, Russell, what was his last name? Forgot. This is the NFL ref reached out to me via a friend of my family. And he had dialysis and was refereeing and working out throughout this whole process. And he told me working out is great for dialysis patients because you sweat more because you don't use the red, you don't. You don't you don't go you don't urinate now because they take the water out of your blood because of inflammation. So he told me working out and eating a, a plant-based diet helped him throughout his process. And he was able to still keep his in refereeing job and working and um, stay productive physically. And so I started working out and I started eating plant-based and I noticed that I don't I feel healthier now after dialysis than I did before when I was doing nothing and eating like I used to eat. So you were able to work out then? I mean, you're, you know. Yeah. I mean, I can't, you know, I can't do 500 pounds like I did when I was with the Ravens, but I can still put a couple bars and do a few, few reps and, you know, just tone up. And the main thing is cardio because uh, a lot of times they, when they clean your blood, it puts pressure on the heart. So I want to keep my heart muscles strong. So I do a lot. Of, I try to do at least cardio three to four times a week, not, you know, just to keep my heart strong and keep my blood pressure. What, you know, my blood pressure was one of the reasons caused me, they, they created my kidney failure. Mm -hmm. I try, I keep that in line. They just took me off the blood pressure meds because I've lost over a hundred and I'm at 135 pounds now. I've lost since I started dialysis. You've lost uh, 135 pounds. Yeah. People wouldn't even recognize me. They saw me now. I'm like, 250, I'm like 243 pounds left. Wow. I got up to 350 when I retired. I played around 330, 315, 315 and 330. I got up to 350 when I retired and I've lost, now I'm down to 243. 
Have uh, Have you heard from any of your teammates? Yeah, so I got a really cool call yesterday from Marvin Lewis. Marvin Lewis called to check on me. Um, he saw the ESPN interview. He called me, and, you know, we talked about old times, packed a few jokes, told about some memories, some memories from when, we, when I played, and some of his memories of me. And um, it was pretty cool, man. It felt good to talk to him. He left, he gave me his number and told me to call him if I need to talk about anything. Um, I've talked to Keith Washington. Keith Washington checks up on me via Facebook, probably once a month, checks on me. Um, Jermaine Lewis has called me a few, or texted me a few times. Um, other teammates from different teams, like Kawika Mitchell, and I have a few people that reach out. I have probably 10 to, 10 to 15 teammates reach out to me after seeing, um, after seeing an interview on Good Morning America. They uh, reached out to me. They didn't know because I didn't really tell anybody. You know, as tough football players, we not we try to keep everything a secret. But uh, I find I found it liberating just to tell people and get the word out, and it helps me, uh, you know, feel it, it helps talking about it mm -hmm. dealing with it all by yourself. How are you feeling? Are you are you optimistic? Um. The nurses asked me, like, what am I doing? Because everybody else in there is tired, but I'm the only one in there doing something. <laughs> I said, I don't know if it's from my training, from football, you know, mental toughness. But, um, shoot, I'm a fighter, man. So I'm, um, I'm going to do everything that the, the, um, the doctors tell me. I'm going to do everything. I'm going to research. And I'm on a Facebook group of uh, kidney, vegan kidney wellness. And they talk about recipes and different things you should do to, um, to combat the side effects. And I've been doing everything that everybody's been telling me. And I, I feel pretty good. Some days I feel dehydrated. They take too much fluid off of me. So it's like dehydration. I get headaches and you feel sluggish. But, you know, after you drink a couple, you know, a couple ounces of water, you know, you bounce back in an hour or so. But. For the most part, I feel pretty good. I'm not, you know, I'm optimistic. Um, I've getting, I'm getting a lot of love and support from the community, which helps a lot. Um, my mother's been coming around more, which, you know, I love mommy because she's always cooking. So that that's nice. She could, um, it's nice. Um, I mean, I've said it's nice, but uh, I'm doing okay, man. I'm doing okay. I'm not going. Uh, I'm thinking I'm okay. I'm optimistic. <laughs> I'm rambling right now. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, you're not rambling at all. That's good to hear. It's. Yeah. I mean, you got a, you got a tough fight on your hands. So yeah. I, I think you need every right, whatever fight anybody has. Right, you you take all the things you have going for you. You need them all. Right. Support family, whatever it may be. Mm -hmm. You know, whatever it is that gets you through. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And um, the support has really been lifting my spirits. And um, uh I feel great. I have good days, man. I've been having really more good days than bad days. Mm -hmm. And we all have both, but I've been having more good days than bad days. And, uh, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, I appreciate it. Thank you. And I, and I want to wish you uh, the best of luck with this. Thank you. Uh, it, it's really a tough fight you're in and I know it's tough times. And so uh, I am glad to hear that uh, the, you know, uh, the word has gotten out and that the Ravens and the Ravens fans are responding. I mean, that's a pretty cool thing. Yeah, that so. is really cool. That is really cool. Yeah. So um, I'm excited. I'm optimistic. Um, the one lady who donated from the Ravens, she was donated to her mother.
her mother was older and her mother, she lost her mother and um, she wanted to donate her kidney in the name of her mother to me. Man. I was like, man, she had me and my wife in tears, man, her story. And um, so I'm really thinking uh, I'm going to receive a blessing from her because it just seemed like it was meant for her to give me. It was meant for her to donate because she wants to do it and she's really passionate about it. And uh, man, that was amazing to hear that. I broke down. I ain't gonna lie, it's one of the few times I broke down. And um, so I'm crossing my fingers, I'm optimistic, and uh, hopefully I can uh, get back to life as normal, as normal as life is right now, as I can once I get this kidney transplant. Well, all the best to you, Lionel. And, uh, and there's a lot of people out there rooting for you. Thank you, I really appreciate that. Okay, that's it for this special episode of What Happened to That Guy. I'd like to thank Lionel for giving us all the time we needed and for sharing his story and for shining a light on the subject of organ donation. It is not a topic the Ravens take lightly. A lot of people don't know this, but 15 years ago, Dick Cass, the team president, donated a kidney to an ailing friend from law school. Maybe in the end, some connection to Baltimore and the Ravens will help Lionel get the new kidney he needs. I certainly hope so, and I'm wishing them the best. Thanks for listening. This is John Eisenberg. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack. Slack is where work happens with all your people, data, and information in one AI-powered place. Start a call instantly in huddles and ditch cumbersome calendar invites. Or build an automation with Workflow Builder to take routine tasks off your plate. No coding required. Grow your business in Slack. Visit slack.com to get started. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.